Hey guys, thanks so much for joining us right here for the Active Church Podcast. We believe that you can tell a better story and we are so glad you are engaging with our content today. You're about to hear from one of our incredible teaching pastors and we hope that you'll be impacted by this message. Thanks again for being with us. There's a phrase that we use in the Christian world to describe the most important moment for any Jesus follower in their life, in their story. And this phrase describes the moment where we surrender to Jesus, where we express our dependence upon Jesus, where we call him our Lord and our Savior. We acknowledge who he is and what he's done through the cross and the resurrection. And the phrase is this, that we've accepted Jesus into our hearts. Now, It's not like a literal phrase. We're not taking a great big God and jamming him into our hearts. But what we're talking about is that we have given God the most precious and vulnerable gift we could ever give. We're giving him our heart, our life, our focus, our passions, our priorities, what we actually are going to do in life. We're entrusting us to God, all of us to all of God. And that completely changes us. It changes not just what happens in us, but it changes what we do around us. There's a phrase that we use at Active to describe that moment. We talk about it this way, that we're connecting our heart to our hands. Like what's happening in our hearts, because we've given our hearts our love to Jesus, it changes what we do with our hands. If we love Jesus, then we are going to love the things that Jesus loves. If we love Jesus, then we're going to build the kingdom of God. If we love Jesus, we're going to build what we love. And I want to talk about that over the next few weeks, starting today. I want to talk about how we can connect our hearts to our hands. I want to talk about what that looks like for you and for me, because I want us to build what we love. And to get started, I want to talk about how we prepare to build what we love. Preparing is so essential when you're about to do something really important. Think about how you prepare for a vacation or how you prepare for a new job or how you prepare to move or how you prepare for a new relationship or a a marriage as you're getting ready to get married, you're preparing for the wedding. Like there are intentional steps that you take. There are intentional decisions that you make in order to be prepared for those things, right? And preparing isn't passive, it's active. Preparing isn't waiting, it's working. And today I want to prepare you to build what you love. And I want you to be able to connect your hearts to your hands. And today I want to teach you something about how to actually do that. And this something that I want to teach you is going to stretch you, I think. It might challenge you. It might cause you to consider some things that maybe you haven't considered before. But the thing I want to teach you today that will help you to connect your heart to your hand, that will help you build what you love, is this. I want to teach you how to begin to place all of your hope in Jesus. All of your hope in Jesus. Not just some of it or a quarter of it or a half of it, but all of it. A-L-L. All of your hope in Jesus. And so in order to do that, I want to talk about what's in your hands. In order to do that, I want to talk about what's in your heart. And in order to do that, I want to talk about where we actually place our hope and how we actually know. 
So if you have a Bible with you, I want to invite you to turn to a letter in the New Testament, 1 Timothy chapter 6, and we're going to start in verse 17. And this letter is written by a man named Paul, and Paul was the most influential Christian of all time. He helped the message of Jesus get to people like you and me, and he helped start churches. He spread the message of Jesus outside of Israel to the nations around it. It's his fault that we're here today. He is the one that has influenced us and shaped us. And Timothy was actually like a son in the faith to Paul. Timothy was somebody that came to know Jesus because of Paul, and he was a pastor in a city called Ephesus. And there's a letter in the scriptures called Ephesians that was written to that church. But then there's two letters in the Bible called 1 and 2 Timothy that were written specifically to Timothy to help him be a better leader, a better shepherd, a better pastor, a better friend, a better man of God to tell a better story. And it's in this letter that Paul actually pushes on Timothy And in essence, pushes on those people who are following Jesus in the city of Ephesus and then pushes on us. And he talks about what is in our hands because he wants us to place all of our hope in Jesus. Here's what he says. First Timothy chapter six, starting in verse 17. He says, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who is the one who richly provides us with everything we need for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. And in this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. So let's, let's walk that through a bit and talk about what Paul is wanting us to understand about what's in our hands. And in order to do that, I wanna make a couple of statements through a couple of questions. Did you know that you and I are in the top 5% of the richest people on the planet? And did you know that the average median American household makes 95% more money than the rest of the world? Like we, according to the world, are rich. Now, you, you thought things were tight because of your budget or your lack of budget, right? But 95% of the world looks at us and says that we are rich. Did you know that 1 billion people go without food or water or food and water every single day? Some experts have said that it would cost about $20 billion to feed every person and to give every person access to clean water every single day. $20 billion. Now I know it seems like a lot and it is, but did you know that Americans spend $20 billion every year on ice cream? The truth is that you and I are rich, that you and I are well off, that according to the rest of the world, when they look at us, we're rich. Now, I know we don't feel like we're rich because we compare ourselves to the Jeff Bezos of the world or the Bill Gates of the world, right? Whenever we compare ourselves, we always compare ourselves to those that have more than us. But let me just say this. It's a dangerous thing to think that our world is the world because in the world, the world looks at you and says, man, If I could just have what you have, man, 
if I could have the resources that you have, man, if I was rich, like you were rich, things would be better. And apparently this isn't a new thing because Paul is writing to Timothy, who is serving this church in Ephesus. And he is saying that these people there are rich. Like they're in the top 5% of the wealthiest people on the planet. And he says, those of us that are rich have an opportunity that's in our hands. According to Paul, the opportunity is this, to not put our hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put our hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. He gives this specific command because hope isn't passive, it's active. And the command is this, Timothy, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. Now, maybe you hear that and you think, well, that sounds hmm, kind of simple, right? And the truth is, it is simple. Like it feels like kindergarten all over again, right? We're learning how to share and we're learning how to be generous. The reason why it's simple is because it is simple. Hope is actually very simple. The reason why it feels complicated in other aspects is because we have made hope complicated because what we do with hope often is we hope in Jesus in some areas of our life and then we withhold our hope in Jesus in other areas of our life. And what Paul is saying here is like, hey, could I just, could I call a timeout, Timothy, Ephesus, active? Could I call a timeout and just speak to you? Paul is saying that hope is all encompassing. Like it covers every area of your life. Nothing gets withheld. And this isn't something he created on his own. He stole it from Jesus. And if there's anybody that you want to steal something from, like a good word, you just steal it from Jesus, right? And, and here's where he got it from. Jesus actually said that where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. In other words, hope will shape all of you, every area of your life. When you trust in Jesus and you give him your heart, you're saying, God, all of who I am to all of you and all of who I am for all of you. Like I'm trusting you with me and I'm trusting what you're going to do in me and through me. Faith in Jesus is not just for you. It actually expresses itself through what you do. It connects your heart to your hands. And what's in your hands is an opportunity. Because you and I are rich. You and I have a lot. You and I fit in that 5%. And there is an opportunity in front of us to place our hope in God and not in wealth and to do good deeds and to be generous and to bring hope to the world. That is what is in our hands. Now let's talk about what's in your heart. I want to take you to a moment where hope is displayed in a real tangible way. And it's in a story that Luke writes about Jesus. But before we get there, I got to take you back to what's, what's called the Old Testament in the scriptures to the prophet Malachi. Malachi was somebody that represented God to the people. He was like a pastor of the time. And he has a letter that he writes that's found at the end of the Old Testament. And he's speaking specifically about the Messiah, about the coming savior, who is Jesus. And in Malachi chapter four, verse two, he writes these words. But for you who revere my name, speaking to those that have honored God, that have given their heart to God, that are placing their hope in God, he is saying, for those that have revered my name, the Son 
of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings. The phrase son of righteousness was a phrase or a name they would use to describe the future Messiah. It was one of many names that they would use. They would call him Emmanuel, God with us, the son of righteousness. This phrase actually represents exactly who Jesus is because son represents light and Jesus was the light of the world and righteousness represents the kingdom of God or the way of Jesus. And Jesus came to show us the third way to tell a better story and invite us into that story. But then he says this, he says, the son of righteousness will have healing in his wings. Now the Hebrew word for wings is where we get the word corner or edge. And this is important, so don't miss this. The Jewish people would wear prayer shawls and they would wear prayer shawls everywhere they would go because it was an opportunity for them to stop and to pause, to place the prayer shawl up over their head so that they could talk to God immediately. This is why Paul says later on in another letter, pray continuously. The Jewish people did this and they still do. They will carry around their prayer shawl and they'll pause and they'll pray. And on the edges or the corners of their prayer shawl, they would have tassels. And these tassels represented the hope that they have in God. And when they would pray, they would grab the edge or the corners or the wings of their prayer shawl, and they would let the tassels hang through their fingers. And as they prayed, these tassels reminded them that there is a God that they have given their heart to, and there is a God that they are hoping in, and there is a God that they are confident in, that he will keep his promises. Now, keep that in mind as we read about this moment in the story of Jesus that Luke records in Luke chapter eight, starting in verse 42. Luke tells us that as Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him because he was irresistible. People wanted to be around him. And in verse 43, we read about a woman who was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. So she had some sort of issue that couldn't be resolved. And listen to how Luke describes this. But no one could heal her. So she came up behind Jesus and she touched the edge of his cloak and immediately her bleeding stopped. Now, time out real quick. Remember Malachi says that the son of righteousness will have healing in his wings and wings in the Hebrew language means corner or edge. And so the Jewish people believe that when the Messiah came, the corner or the edge of his prayer shawl would bring healing, friends. Where does it say that this woman grabbed when she was following Jesus? It says that she touched the edge or the corner of his prayer shawl. You might ask, well, well why? Because he's the Messiah and she placed her hope in the Messiah. And she was confident that what was promised would actually come about because God keeps his promises. She placed her hope in God and the coming Messiah and it was promised that you would find healing in his wings or the edges of his prayer shawl and that's why she grabbed it. Her hope drew her to action. Her hope was all-encompassing. And then I love this moment. Jesus says, who, who touched me? So everybody around is like, um, we didn't, you didn't, I didn't. And Peter goes, uh, master, there's a lot of people around you and they're pressing against you. And Jesus goes, no, no, no. Someone touched me. They didn't just bump into me. Someone touched me. 
I know this because power has gone out of me. Here's what he's implying. Someone in this crowd knows exactly who I am. Someone in this crowd knows that I am the Messiah. I am the son of righteousness and there will be healing in my wings. Someone knows who I am and I want to meet that person. And then we read that the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling at his feet. Afraid, but courageous. In his presence and in the presence of all of the people, she told him why she had touched him and how she had been instantly, and don't miss that word, healed. And Jesus says to her daughter, you're my daughter, you're my child, because you know exactly who I am. He says, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. She had hope in her heart. And it was a hope that was all-encompassing. And she believed that this promise of a healer was coming and that Jesus was the promised son of righteousness with healing in his wings, was the promised Messiah. And what did it drive her to do? It changed her life. It wasn't a hope that she was just gonna talk about. It was a hope that she was going to be about. She was confident in who the Messiah would be. And her confidence changed how she lived her life. And the end result was healing, friends. That's what was in her heart. So let's talk about your heart. And I have a question for you to consider. And the question is this, where do you place your hope? For forgiveness? For freedom from sin, addiction, struggles, issues? Where do you place your hope for a life-giving marriage? And where do you place your hope for world-changing kids? I think the answer is simple, right? The answer is easy. If you're a follower of Jesus, the answer is, of course, Jesus. Of course, I place my hope in Jesus for forgiveness and freedom and for my marriage and for my kids. Because he's the one that's greater than me. He's the one that is better than me. He is God and I am not. And I need him. And here's why you place your hope in Jesus for those things. Because if we're going to be honest, and we should, we're at church, right? If we're going to be honest, we can't fully control those things, can we? We can't fully control forgiveness. We can't fully control our freedom. We can't fully control our spouse. We can't fully control our kids. And what do we do when we know that we don't have control? We look for someone to help us in those moments to bring peace and healing. And Jesus says, this is why I've come. I've come to give you life and life to the fullest. I've come to be your Lord and your savior. I've come to forgive you and set you free. And many of us, even if you're new to this, or maybe, maybe even if you're considering Jesus, you would say, yeah, of course, you place your hope in Jesus for those things. It's good. Second question, a little bit more personal, might push on you a bit. The question I have for you is this, where do you place your hope when it comes to your money? Where it comes to your resource? When it comes to your wealth? The answer for most of us is in us because we've convinced ourselves that we can control it. God needs our forgiveness and freedom and marriage and kids. But when it comes to the resource that I have worked hard for, I got it and I'm going to be the one that handles it. All of my hope in being a good steward with this resource is in me. And then what happens when you have a financial issue? Don't all financial issues, even for people who would call themselves atheists, don't all financial issues turn into prayer requests? God help, 
because now I can't pay that bill. Now I can't meet that need. Now I don't know where my next paycheck is going to come from. Now I don't know how I'm going to be able to take care of the kids or feed the family or pay the house bill. Isn't it true that when it comes to resource, all of our hope is in us until we realize that it's really out of our control, that like we've messed it up or something got messed up? This is where it gets really awkward because this is where Paul says, friends, this is why I want to command you to do good, to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. But the reason why he says that is because of what he says prior to that. He said, do not put your hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but put your hope in God. His point is this, you will not participate in good deeds and generosity and be willing to share when the hope of your life is found in someone other than Jesus. When the hope of your wealth that you've worked hard for is found in you and not in Jesus. You will not participate in building what you love if all of your hope isn't in Jesus. And here's how we know from this woman who was healed. It drove her to find Jesus. It drove her to find the Messiah. It drove her to find the son of righteousness. And what was in her heart was a hope that she would be healed. And what she did with her hands is reach out and touch the edge of his prayer shawl because of the promise of what she heard and read and believed that God had communicated. And we talk often about connecting our hearts to our hands. And that connection actually speaks very loudly about what you hope for, what sort of hope you hold in your heart and what you're doing with the hope that you have in Jesus. Paul says, when you hope in Jesus, then you and I will be the most generous and giving people on the planet. Let me just remind you, he says this, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. The people of God hold their hands open to the world around them because their heart is filled with the one who created the world. And Paul says, here's why you do it. You do this because you are laying up for yourselves treasure as a firm foundation for the coming age so that you may take hold of the life that is truly life. Let me bring some clarity. According to Paul, your generosity, it builds a better future for you and for them. According to Paul, your generosity brings you life and brings life to those around you. According to Paul, you will build what you love with the resources that you have. You have an opportunity in front of you because you are rich. I guess the tension that we have to wrestle with anytime we talk about our resource is summarized in a question that we've asked at Active Church before. And it's this, do you want more stuff or do you want more stories? And I'm not talking about what you're going to do for Christmas. Like you might say, well, for my kids, I'm not going to get them toys. I'm going to get them experiences. You should do that, by the way. That's great. But I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about thinking bigger than that, greater than that, building what you love, participating in the kingdom of God. Do I just want more stuff in my hands? Or do I want to tell more stories because of what Jesus has done in my heart? And I got to tell you, that telling better stories is the best way to live. 
when Jesus is holding your heart in his hands. You want to connect your heart to your hands? Tell better stories instead of gathering all sorts of stuff around you. Paul was pretty clear. He was like, this isn't about like random acts of kindness or, or seeing a need and then meeting that need in that moment. Although those things are great. This is about being intentional. This is about living with hope. Hope doesn't wait for a need. Hope is always prepared to meet the need. Hope writes a better story. So where do you place your hope? The answer's found in what you do with your money. Sure, you hope in Jesus for forgiveness and freedom. That's good because he died and resurrected. But I wanna invite you to place your hope in Jesus when it comes to your resource. I wanna invite you to connect your hope in your heart to your hands. I wanna invite you to build what you love. You can look at your checkbook. You can look at your bank account. And you can answer that question about where you place your hope, where you place all of your hope. And the invitation from Paul to Timothy to this church and the invitation from Paul to me and to you is that we would place our hope in Jesus, all of our hope, and we would begin to build what we love. Not just a piece of our hope in the hands of Jesus, but all of it. Because that's the best story ever told. And that's how we step into better stories. Not more stuff, but more better stories. And we do this through our good deeds, through our generosity, through our willingness to share. Because God gave us Jesus, the greatest gift. And truthfully, we do this because the stuff that we hold in our hands doesn't really belong to us anyway. And we'll talk about that next week. Let me pray for you. And so Heavenly Father, this conversation is just beginning. And so we may have a lot of questions and we may be considering a lot of things and we may be processing a lot of thoughts. But I pray that we wouldn't get too far ahead of your word and that we would sit in this question of where we place our hope and that we could answer it through what we're building by saying, yeah, God, we are building your kingdom because we're building what we love because we love you. And so I pray for those watching and listening, I pray that you would help them to consider where they place their hope and begin to answer that with a confident, yes, I'm placing my hope in Jesus. God, I pray that we as we love you because you first loved us, we would build what you love and what we love, and that is the kingdom of God. And that people would meet Jesus and learn to follow Jesus because we've connected our hearts to our hands. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray all of this. Together we say amen and amen and amen. We hope you enjoy the Active Church podcast. If you wanna know more about Active Church, you can follow us on our social media platforms at Active Churches. Don't forget to subscribe as well to stay connected to future podcasts. And if you are a local, we would love for you to experience the room with us. Sunday services are 9 a.m. and 1045 a.m. in Yucaipa. See you next time.